talking with Michael Simonetti, CEO and founder of Digital Marketing Agency and Mine. Their website is literallyandmine.com. If you want to go and check it out, I'd recommend you do. There's um, some great information and a great clarity about all the different stuff that they do in Michael's business. Now, I was going to ask you, Michael, because I, I find the process that you use for you know, arriving at campaigns and fine-tuning things for customers really interesting. And just wondering how you've gone about doing that, given that I guess a lot of your staff are now working remotely. Do you think there's a benefit for you guys in you know, all being around one table if you're trying to brainstorm um, ideas from a creative uh, standpoint to trying to do that separate from everyone working from home? I mean, is that, is, that a, is that one of the sort of limitations you've found with the pandemic on your business, on the creative side of things? For us, it's been a benefit. But it's only been a benefit because we've driven that benefit very specifically. So I know a lot of agencies that they do need the whiteboard session in the room because the characters are, you know, the, the team members love that collaborate that collaboration. Uh, mm. But I see technology not as a um, a barrier to that. Or, or sorry working from home not as a barrier to that but as technology as a as a solution to that but you've got to be able to hold court and hold the room in the technology as you would in the room and that is a leap that some people haven't figured out yet and you know there's bias in the old system because people enjoyed it especially the collaboration around beers or catch-up or you know the coffee catch-up whiteboard meetings that people had in creative agencies like ours you know they're gone for the time being, that's that's not happening. I mean, we've tried to put a couple of them together, but, you know, the rolling on and off lockdowns, I mean, we, we just already immediately had to adopt another methodology. So for us, it was uh, collaborative online whiteboards, which sounds like the most boring put-yourself-to-sleep term in the world. But, you know, who, who doesn't know the cliche that PowerPoints also help put you to sleep? So whether you're in the room or not, it's the content and it's the conversation and it's the engagement that you know need to build that uh, that fervor or that excitement. It's still, you still have to find a way to generate it. But the good thing about ideas are, and I don't think necessarily the ideas are always going to come out in that setting. You know, your shower thoughts or your you know while you're going for a walk or those inspired moments don't necessarily mm. come from people being locked in a room with each other, right? More. They are things that can vet the ideas, those sessions. And so our process is, guys, here's the framework of what we're trying to work to. Go and have the shower thought. Go and have the, uh, you know, get off TikTok in the toilet. And, uh, you know, when you're going for your walk, you know, clear your mind and don't, don't just listen to a podcast the whole time. Have a think about this campaign, you know. And we know that those moments, those inspirational moments in terms of ideation, do come when you're in, in people do it in, in different times. Like I don't think I've ever mm. had a campaign thought where I'm sitting at my desk going, I've really got to think of a good campaign idea here. You know, for me, yeah. I know my moments. I know it's like after a jog or a ride or if I wake up early in the morning or if I eat ice cream at night and I'll, I'll, I'll dream crazy thoughts and I'll, I'll wake up with the ideas, right? Like yeah. I know what my 
ideation triggers are and i look for them i, I try and ins- I create those moments in my day but if you don't do you keep a little do you keep a little notebook on the bedside table or do you no no no, no. i just I'm notes good at, into your phone how do you if they're good ideas you'll remember them right if they're not good yeah. ideas well I will, you know you, they'll fade away and that's probably the other thing is like you know you've got everyone's got their own creative process you've just got to find a way to adapt that to the new environment environment and but I, I would challenge anyone to say well before it was in the room like we did these creative ideas in the room no i get everyone to go out like we might have 10 people go out and go okay bring an idea to the table to the next session and we're going to throw it up on the board on the whiteboard and now it's online but again i like those the the technology offers a lot of advantages as well because we can map out an idea very quickly and then we can also test it against a technology process or a user pathway or you know all of these fancy terms we have for customer mapping in marketing you know information architecture etc etc we can test the idea against those models very quickly online like with each other you know and the team also have the ability to take advantages from this technology which is you know be able to put ideas up in their own way be able to capture those ideas record those ideas record parts of sessions take snapshots and then again this is all about how they're absorbing that framework or frame for pulling out the good idea and if you've got a no ego and policy, you know, people put forward ideas and they get shut down and they talk, we talk them through and there's a, it's really, there's a great learning aspect of, of creative campaign copywriting. Yeah. And, and sort of recognizing patterns of, of what works for the group and yeah. trying to reproduce them. Oh, this, this worked really well for us on that campaign. Let's, let's try that sort of, that kind of set up again. So you talk about this collaborative whiteboard now can you just give me a little bit of detail give listeners a little bit of detail about what that actually is i mean is this just a document that you share is it a word document that you've all got up on your screen or is it it's actually like a a whiteboard that you can drop text and objects on and everyone can see at the same time because they're all sitting in front of their own computer probably in their pajamas at home i mean you know we force situations where we tell everyone to turn their camera on just to make sure that you know someone hasn't stayed in their pajamas for a week but um they're not they're not in bed <laughs> well they are and sometimes they are which is just as funny right so that icebreaker moment within your teams has has connected some of that personal space and that that's something that society's figuring out right now um but again if, if everything's okay and you know there's there's obviously boundaries to things but if you humanize and make those things those moments uh reasonable and you're you know like me i'm i'm i love taking the shit out of my own self so i'm i'm first to to try and give myself a knock and you know i'm probably the 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 worst dress or the least shaven or the you know the messiest hair um and i've got food stains on my top because i got a lot of kids and you know we we're, we're messy eaters so like all of those things matter right like those things help personalize the situation that you're in and don't hide them you know like those funny moments are really they really resonate and i can remember you know things that have happened to the team over the over the last year on those sessions because it's funny and we're all yeah, going isn't, it, isn't it interesting how the formality has gone out of the business environment in so many ways? I mean, I've got a buddy who's in, um, in finance in Sydney and I actually met him straight after he'd finished work earlier this year when Sydney was open. I was up there yeah. with the family and, and uh, he, I thought he'd, I, thought, I, you, I said to him when he first arrived at this restaurant, we were meeting at seven o'clock, I said, oh, oh you've, you do take a change of clothes and get changed at, at, at work. And he said, oh, no, 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 this is what I wear at work. And it was just jeans and a, and yeah, a yeah, um, yeah. 
you know, a, a, a polo top, basically. Oh, I love and, it. And, and he just said, yeah, so we, so it's like this normally. And the only time, you know, very occasionally put on a suit when we know we've got a, a face-to-face kind of money-related meeting where it actually, you know, where, the, where we're trying to impress someone, basically. Well, I've done the complete opposite, right? Like, so I was the guy, I was probably the only guy in advertising still wearing a, a shirt and a tie and a jacket to every meeting for a decade. And then right. as COVID hit, I went to the other suit, the other end of the scale, which is not the formal suit. I go on track suit everywhere, right? <laughs> now it's branded. I'll give it, give it, give it that. But um, <laughs> it is, it is a real uh, icebreaker in terms of moment at the start of conversations. And like I always thought, okay, well, if the company's worth, you know, three hundred million, four hundred million turnover a year, I have to wear a suit. And now I've gone, well, stuff it. My ideas are just as good in the suit or without the suit. And the only thing that's tripped me up in a year and a half is because I do a lot of these uh, expert witness reports for companies on technology and marketing, et cetera. And mm. uh, I was sitting with all the barristers and the, the lawyers because you know they're testing me on the, on the evidence pre-trial. And I said, so what's the deal with, uh, I haven't worn a suit for like a year and a half. Are you, are you going to make me wear a suit? And they were like, look, the judge is old. We don't think you can get away with the tracksuit. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, "You're gonna make me wear a suit." And but you know what? Luckily, they didn't. Uh, my my evidence was just accepted as is, and I wasn't called for that case. And like, so I, I haven't. I've got my unbroken tracksuit record for uh, for the last um, year and a half. And and the and the formal version is jeans versus versus full tracksuit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you can. It's like the newsreaders, you know, they stand up and they're wearing a pair of uh, board shorts and they've got the the suit and jacket on the top. So it's kind of like, what do you want to, what do you want to show people? Yeah, you can get something that looks through through a fairly low res camera on your standard Webex meeting. You can uh, you can get away with something that's kind of looks like a suit. It might be just with held on with Velcro. <laughs> yeah. and that's the other thing that's kind of interesting is that people you kind of reveal a bit more of yourself by showing your family or by showing the signs of your family. You know, you said, oh, you might have dirt and and, and some yeah. food stains on you because you've yeah. got kids running around and you doing, should call it out though. You should stuff. say, look, you know, like I know that I've been in a couple of sessions where I've realised it's too late to change. I'm, I'm in the office, I've got to do the meeting and I've got a food stain on my branded t-shirt. But I'll just say, look, I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't spill my lunch. My kids threw breakfast on me and I didn't realize till now. And those moments, yeah. I think, are extremely important in today's climate, both for business and for society at large because we need to be able to connect around the things that we've realized we all have at home pretty much the same way. Yeah, and you are getting an insight into people's homes because they're being forced to work at home. Correct, and that. And, and, you know, often people don't have a separate room where they can set up a webcam, you know, or that. Or well, they, they've got, the, they've got the, uh, the Zoom filters now, right? Like you can put yourself in this beautiful office setting and it's like, I always try and get people to turn it off. And I'm like, let me see what, uh, what, what's going on in your room, you know, like what, yeah. uh, mm. how bad is it, you know? <laughs> yeah. The worst I've seen is a client with his underwear uh, hanging on a clothesline in the background. And I'm like, that's fantastic, you know? I didn't know you wore red underwear, you know? And it's like, he, he didn't even realize that that was what was going to happen when, with the camera on. But the, again, those things, they humanize us. And I think we need more of that. I, I think that business was getting to a place where like I, I felt I needed to wear a suit to 
uh, bring the the gravity of the company behind me and that was like a a suit of armor but it was actually Mm. the opposite it was making me it was dehumanizing me into a point where i wasn't as relatable you know I, i may have looked more like the expert or someone you could trust with a lot of money but again you're always i was always having conversations that were more formal and now my language has shifted again i think a gear changed down and i get to talk more openly and it make and it resonates more i think that's a big factor in 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 modern business you mentioned how the language post pandemic of advertising has changed a bit because it's got to reflect that you know there's a bit more sobriety or there's a bit more of a somber mood around because people have people have died people have lost their livelihoods there's kind of a bit it's slightly less frivolous in a way I don't think I think most companies are, are cautious, but they're still running big advertising lines. Okay, like no, like I sent a campaign around to some of our bigger clients. Of uh, it was a t- it was a collection of TV ads, middle of you know middle of end of springtime last year, where thirty big brands were basically saying the same thing with slightly different words, like how they were how they care and how they were there for you. It's like you're selling a product, you know. You're, you're overshooting this. You know, if if you want to do something, do it in the background. Let people find out about it. Don't don't blow your own trumpet in this in this regard. So again, we've we've shifted that model from. You just can't do that type of advert. I don't think you can do that advertising ever. I I I'll never be a proponent of that type of advertising again. Michael, just shifting the subject a little bit. You mentioned that you uh, you know you do some work as an expert witness. Um, in the courts where where you might be asked about a fraud case for example or a, or a, something that relates to technology which is your area of expertise i'm assuming this is this is where you tend to come in as an expert witness and obviously because everyone's doing everything online and 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 doing a lot of work through webex through zoom through these online teleconferencing services there's a lot more scope for hacking for for fraud that's kind of digital fraud if you like what have you seen of this what do you make well, of I, this i mean there's been there's been stuff about recently yeah, there's go. been stuff about state sponsored you know hacking as well which i know it happens for a different reason and there's, there's mm. sort of there's, mm. there's other a whole other agenda going on there but there's homegrown hacking that happens as well i mean i've, I've got you know close examples of people you know, the elderly, for example, being targeted by people who call up and say, oh, look, you know, I'm calling from Microsoft. I need to jump into Windows right now. We want to save all your data. We've got limited time. And, and they'll go, they're very persuasive. They'll go along with it. And they're just about to, you know, give some pretty key banking information away. And then they'll kind of maybe have an inkling and go, oh, look, do you mind if I just call you back? Yeah. So, you know, something's come up and that's when they're starting to get cold feet. But, but um, you know, that's if they're lucky. The, the, but unfortunately... The- this is happening a lot. Oh, man, it happens a lot. The funniest one is I saw Nazim Hussain on TikTok doing a piece. He was out in the street asking people a survey, and part of the survey was what was your bank account number and what was your PIN number, and he got some people <laughs> to tell him. Like, he's a persuasive guy, but, like, it's unbelievable what information people get give over if there's a, a semblance of trust involved in that conversation or, or, or that you've bought into something. But you're not going to solve the world's uh, hacking problems it's going to exist we just need to know that um you know our defenses and our uh, caution around that needs to go up and it's difficult for people especially new to technology so you know the elderly mm. are especially um targeted for uh, cyber crime and you know but it i mean normally pretty much everyone you speak to there's some little scam that's gone on it happens to us and our staff they get targeted all the time how do you secure people's 
home computers and home networks. I mean, one thing for businesses to do it, and they've usually got a budget for it, and they've got experts who come in, consultants, or they've got in-house people who make things as secure as they can be and ensure that patches are up to date and so on, software's up to date. But what about when you're relying on, you know, set, in some cases, sensitive, sensitive simple, information? Two simple rules, two simple rules. I mean, maybe three simple rules. Two simple rules that I can think of off the top of my head. Number one, if you are contacted by anybody ever, right? I, I would normally, the, 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 the safest possible way to deal with that situation ever, this is the government, this is a phone call, this is an email, this is anything. Go back to your original document or your credit card and dial the number on that card. Don't answer the call, don't give out any information, don't talk to them. You, I mean, you can talk to them, but if they ask you any question about anything in terms of security or I need to know you this or any, just say, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call back the number on the card full stop yeah right like that is a good general rule for anything for an email for a request for payment for like a late notice anything don't look at that sheet of go back to the to the to the bill you paid and go from there Mm. right that's Mm. a really safe way to get around pretty much most of those scenarios and then okay let's say you don't have a bill that, that you need to pay and they're calling you demanding money for it still i would still go back to that to the last bill or something that you've paid that you absolutely know that's a safe number to call. And then they, mm. you, you're gonna go through the security questions, but it's you've called them, not they've called you to go through the security questions. Right, that's an obvious yeah. hack, yeah? If yeah, someone, yeah, yeah? If someone, you know, like people try and impersonate me to trick my staff all the time, right? To give them money or to, do, to buy a JB Hi-Fi card or something. Hey, it's Michael, you know, can you quickly just buy this JB Hi-Fi card for me? I'm stuck at a conference and can you send me the number and, and you know, accounts will pay you back, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. there's so many little scams going on, but again, and they might contact you through WhatsApp, but I normally call on mobile, right? So just go, yeah, let me call you right back, right? Oh, you can't it's call me, I'm fa- in a it's conference. It's two-factor well, authentication, isn't it? You've got, to, you've, got to, you've, got to, you've got to confirm it with the person that, on the number that you know, not the number that you're getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then even then, like you can spam it, you can fake an email address. So again, double check with the person through a through a channel that you know. That's hard. I know that's sort of a hard concept, but it's the safest concept, the the safest way to go about it. Mm. And the other one that gets people screwed a lot is uh, passwords. You know, like they just don't update their password or they don't have a complex enough password. And passwords are getting hacked from big companies all the time, and you know your information's out there. So use a password manager or... or um, yeah, you know, I mean, even that's difficult. I would just say like once every year or two years, think of a new password. The The way that we were told, you know, when we were doing cryptology was, um, you know, think of a verse, you know, that, that it's uncommon that you like. Put the first or use the second letter or something of that verse. Add a number or two at the end or change some of the letters to numbers. I mean, there's various ways of going about making a mnemonic that you can remember well that you can just use and then you slowly might, I mean, the advice that I've given to friends over the last couple of months because this is much, a much heightened uh, problem is okay, come up with the new password and then each time you log in to your existing bank or telephone system or something, what you need to do is change, you know, okay, I'm constantly going to change passwords for a month until everything's changed to this new password. That's a super safe mechanism for not having your password hacked and leaked. And not using the same password over and over again either. Well, again, that's difficult not to do, right? Like, 
If you really want to get complicated about it, I use the same base with a slight variation on the end based on what I'm logging into, right? Mm -hmm. And that gives me enough flexibility that I can have a slightly different password, but I'm not creating a different password for everything because then you basically have to run a password manager and then what happens if that gets hacked? I mean, there's, there's no good outcome for any of this. It's just change. People would say change every six months, but it's ridiculous. You're not going to spend your whole life changing passwords. So every couple of years, you know, put it down that um, or maybe every maybe every Olympics, you know, every half Olympics or every World Cup or something, change your passwords, you know, pragmatically throughout the entire suite of your passwords. Yeah, I don't think you need many, many passwords, but, you know, you might need a couple of, of variations. Michael, to wrap it up, because it's been a fascinating conversation, it always is, and I appreciate your time. This was a kind of a marketing, an example of quite clever marketing, I thought, because I mentioned to you, in our preparation for this interview, how there was a guy who was posting early data for COVID cases in New South Wales. Mm. And he got it right a few times. And, and people were going, you know, how is this the case? And, and it was a, basically a photo of a guy, and I think he was posting it on social media. I think it was on TikTok. Yeah, and it was a TikTok comedian that was doing it, yeah. I'd yeah, but he had a, but he was he was smart. He had a blackboard with a whole bunch of algorithms, which to someone who doesn't know anything about maths, you looked impressive. You go, yeah, that oh, that guy must be a mathematician, yeah. you know. And and uh, he's got his big sort of coke bottle glasses on, and 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 he kept getting it right. So yeah. people were going, wow, people were going back to him, and, and you know, there were even examples of the, of the New South Wales um, police actually, you know, getting on, ringing up this guy and going, you know, you got to stop doing this because <laughs> the government wants to be the first people to issue this information, and yeah. somehow. And, and all sorts of speculation about where the information came from, whether he was actually smart enough to be able to use yes. uh, algorithm, a mathematical approach to, to get that answer right. And in fact, the, the, <laughs> the, the clever answer, so which you actually availed me of, the New South Wales government app was posting posting information ahead of when it was announced by the government at their presses in Correct. the morning or whatever. And, and, and this guy was just jumping on that and, yeah. and no one seemed to know, not even the government that was actually <laughs> posting it to the app. Yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they thought there was a leak in the department and the, he got on all of the morning news shows and radio shows and everyone was like, I can't believe this guy was doing it. And I think once the penny dropped for the government on the fifth day or something, they posted the number to the app that was like a few different than their press conference in the morning. That's right, because I actually was posting it to some friends of mine who we just have a little group text that goes around where we sort of bounce around just stuff about the pandemic, you know, like a lot of people have, just sort of just general stuff between friends. And I'd posted it for the last two days, and they were kind of going, wow, this is really cool. And and then the last one I got wrong, it was out by a bit. So that was them deliberately <laughs> deliberately trying to well, undermine I would say, this guy. Again, like the, this, is, this is like one of those moments where – to us, everything was super obvious. You know, like we're in digital marketing. We know there's multiple platforms. We look at the timing of when they post. Like all of these things are normal mechanics to us, right? And then the funniest thing was, you know, a reporter asking one of the government representatives in the press conference, like there's a guy on TikTok that's got the number right. Is there a leak in the department? And then that, after he said that, the whole story blew up. Like it was on TV, it was on shows, it was on radio. And this guy generated a million followers like in four days. Right now, and this is what this is what I thought was really inc incredible. His name's John Bernard, by the way. He's a he's a TikTok comedian. Yeah, that's right. And th that should have been enough for you to realize that this was satire, and you know that 
that there was something going on, right? Like, look at it. Like you could pull this apart pretty quickly. And I think one journalist, one journalist that I heard did figure it out, like that had him on a on an interview, and he basically like let the bean spill and goes, "Well, yeah, I think you you're, you've figured it out. It's amazing that you have after five days when it was so simple, <laughs> but it shows the power of." new social media platforms it shows the power of video it shows the power of a single simple idea that we were talking about before and generating an audience and a following around that idea mm. and then you know what is he going to do next to translate that now he's got notoriety and a following if he's funny as well as being intelligent and in how to use that he'll have great success in a way it shows you the opportunity sort of untapped opportunities that that must be out there that are out there Oh. And they're based around a, they're based around an idea, but you know, in this environment, people are they're spending more time online. They're spending more time. I mean, I know from podcasting that that our audience last year was was triple or more than it had been in previous years, mm. and and that was because people were listening all around the world because it's an international audience for podcasting, and and in Australia, and. Uh, so, so there are opportunities now because you've got you've got more and more people focused on apps, focused on the news cycle, focused on oh I, I can't go to the shops, so I'm gonna how else do I get stuff? You know yeah. where am I where do I gonna find the thing? You know, I've been looking for puffer jackets for a, a child recently because we, we lost one, so I've got to replace it. Clothes can be tricky because you had to get the size right. You know, all whatever it is. If you look, if you if you're looking for ways to kind of capitalize on the situation, or to try to kind of find a silver lining to what is not a not a great situation, really, that the world finds itself in at all, everyone knows that there are still opportunities. There are still Absolutely. little details and and, that you can seize on. Not just opportunities, but I'm a huge advocate of you know adapt and figure out what the next the next wave is going to be like and, and where you land in it, because that there, there are mm. the opportunities don't evaporate they just shift so mm. we need to we need to figure out what they're going to be ahead of time and that's essentially what the the, the role is for all of us we got to figure out a way to to move forward yep indeed and don't and don't wait for the government to start mole hunting for uh, leaks in their own department when it was something as simple as publishing in their own app you know these big large organizations as a small or medium organization which i assume a lot of your listeners are peers you are flexible and that is your power. You know, these large organizations are clunky and they're looking over their shoulder and they're pointing fingers at each other and they, they can't adapt and figure out something that one guy on TikTok could. Yeah, exactly. It's not even sort of small opportunities and little cracks. It's yawning voids waiting Massive. to be filled Massive. by someone who's nimble, who's um, switched on and can act quickly. And as you say, they, they tend not to be big corporations. They take longer. They've got culture to overcome. They've got bureaucracies to overcome. The, the, you know, the chain of command slows things down. But for people who are switched on and nimble, just like the comedian John Bernard on TikTok, making out that he's like you know some mathematician or you know like a, a seer you know a person yeah, who's sort yeah, of got he's, he's tapped into yeah. the oracle yeah. and and everyone's kind of everyone's intrigued you know it's it's sort of like how the hell did he know that you know it's it's like picking a a, a horse that wins every time and just being right all the time you know it's great great piece of uh, satire and comedy Michael, thank you so much. Uh, it's great chatting with uh, Michael Simonetti, CEO and founder of And Mine. Uh, take care and uh, we'll speak soon. 